the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, you are listening to Heart of the City. This is Chuck Olmstead. I'm the Director of Local Ministry Development here at KGNW, and I always enjoy this time together with you because we get to hear stories and testimonies about the faithfulness of God. You know, the more I think about the opportunity to interview pastors and ministry leaders in the in the Seattle area, the more I know that uh, this program meets a need, and that is where we just uh, focus our attention for 25 minutes every week and, and share a story about how God is faithful in someone's life. And uh, you can see the progression that happens in their life to see that God is continually working even in the midst of our struggles and pain and sorrow that we go through in the natural course of life. And today I have a, a good friend with with uh, the station, Ravon Johnson. He's with uh, Embassy Bible Fellowship. He's a senior pastor there. Ravon, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you, my friend. It is great to be here with you. Yeah, well, how long have you been the pastor, and where is Embassy Bible Fellowship? Well, Embassy Bible Fellowship is located in the Crossroads area of Bellevue, Washington, and we have been there oh, about five years now, uh-huh. but uh, the church itself has been around for 10. For 10 years? Yeah. we started in Woodenville. Okay. Uh, but the Lord led us, uh, uh, we believe, to Crossroads, uh, specifically to do some ministry uh, focusing in, on the uh, underprivileged, uh, you know, the poor and less fortunate and so we've done that. You know, it's interesting that, and you're, and you're saying in Bellevue, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who don't know or understand. They have this perception of Bellevue, yes. but yes. don't really know that there are a lot of folks that live in the Bellevue city limits that aren't driving around in Mercedes or Audis <laughs> or BMWs. Yeah. Well, I, I must admit, when God led us there, it was not my plan to focus on the uh, homeless and and less fortunate and underprivileged people there uh, because I was like most people. But once God kind of lifted the blanket of prosperity, as I call it, you can see that there are a lot of uh, 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 struggles going on. There's, there's, there's a large homeless population in and around the area here over on the east, well, on the east side, of Seattle in the Bellevue, Kirkland, Redmond, uh, North Renton area, there's a, there, there are a lot of homeless over there. And uh, there are a lot of people who are living uh, in poverty and some below poverty in that area. And you, and you won't see it because the, the average income over there 
uh, in the Crossroads area is is over $120,000, the average for family income is over $120,000, but that's mostly people who are working generally in the tech field and related industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of, there's a large homeless population uh, over there. So are there really services set up for homeless and for uh, low-income people in in those areas? I mean, you think of Seattle, and I know, you know, within a five-block radius of here, we've got Salvation Army and mm-hmm. Union Gospel Mission and mm-hmm. Bread of Life Mission and other organizations that are helping people who are homeless or have addictions are are those that are there those kinds of structures in in uh, Bellevue Redmond area uh yes but not enough uh, uh-huh. there there is the salvation army there are uh, uh several uh, uh homeless uh uh shelters uh one for men uh, congregation for the homeless uh is one um and there are several, a couple different uh, um, shelters for women of abused uh, situations and, and uh, also homeless uh, women and children. There are a couple of those, not many. There are not many services, but uh, uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to meet a need and working with Union Gospel Mission to begin to uh, rally uh, the, uh, the, the people who are providing services together so that we can see what's going on and how we can uh, fill in some gaps that exist. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting how the Lord has brought you to this place, and I'd love Mm -hmm. to step back a few years, however far you need to go back, to Mm -hmm. talk about how you got to this point where you decided to become the pastor of a church in Bellevue, Washington. So take, take me back to... Uh, your younger years, and and uh, did you grow up in this area? Where did you? Uh, no, I, I didn't grow up in the Northwest. I was born in, in in L.A., Los Angeles, California. We we moved, according to the history that I have, we moved to Texarkana, Texas, where my mom was raised. Uh, when I was about, I think I was about six months old, if I could remember all of that. Um, and uh, so I was raised there until I was 18 years old, and that's when I went into the Navy. And um, the Navy ended up bringing me here to Seattle. Hmm. And and I got, well, actually, Bremerton, then to Seattle. And uh, when I got out of the Navy, uh, man, I looked at this scenery up here, and I said, wow, this <laughs> looks like the promised land compared <laughs> to, to, Texas. to where I was raised. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, I, I decided at that point to, to make this home base, and I've been here ever since. Hmm. Yeah. So what year, uh, so when oh, you man. were out of the Navy, so then that was uh, uh, 40, 30, <laughs> 38 years ago or so. Oh, yeah. So, it was. Uh, so late, s- mid-70s? S- 70, the end of 77, September uh, 77 is when I uh, got out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I uh, ended up. Uh, uh, staying here, and so uh, this is this is really home because I I was only uh, in Texas for eighteen years, right? And so uh, this is really where I was raised, and, and 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 so this is home to me. Yeah. So at that time in the Navy, did mm-hmm. you know Jesus? No, nope, not at all. Didn't you know, grow I, up in a family uh, situation uh, where there nah, was that kind of spiritual emphasis at all. Well, uh, nah, it, you know, somewhat. I was I was raised in the. Uh, uh, projects, single parent household. Uh, I had two sisters, one older, one younger, and then and then my mom. And so, 
uh, I was seen as and viewed as kind of the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to church uh, when I was little. And then uh, r- right around my when, when I was 13, just after I turned 13 and stuff and having a conversation with my mom, she felt that I could take on more responsibility and and um, uh, I became kind of the man of the house and uh, she gave me the ability to make my own decisions and one of the, some of my own decisions, one of the decisions that I made was not to go to church. Mm. Um, I, I didn't have, even though the church was right across the street from where we lived, I mean, I could come out of my back door and cross the street and I would be at the church, mm-hmm. uh, Mount Orange Baptist Church. And um, uh, it, it, I, I don't know what it was, but there wasn't a great pull uh, for me, even though uh, in, in my, I don't know, I think I was around five or six years old when I used to go to church. I would come home and I would go into my room and I would open the Bible after church and, and I would pretend like I was preaching. Really? Yeah, look in the mirror and pretend like I was preaching, uh. which, which I didn't know at the time was was was, was probably a, a a precursor to what uh, uh, God was going to do with me much later. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. so eighteen, uh, <clears throat> go into the Navy, come out. You're here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So what happens next? Find work here locally? Yeah. Well, uh, went to school. Uh, and uh, uh, got involved in broadcasting for a little bit and got involved in the entertainment industry, doing some some promotions around locally, doing a number of different things, throwing parties and stuff like that. It was the end of the uh, uh, disco era, and uh, I I was moving in that direction, and I got into a little of the publishing and became active a little bit in the uh, uh, central community of Seattle and trying to do some community activism a little bit nothing nothing really too engaging uh, I don't I don't think during that time but we did a few things but uh, I, I was always searching for something and didn't know what I was searching for except that I wanted to be this rich guy <laughs> and, and, and so yeah. I, I I started doing started a number of different businesses trying to be uh, uh, you know an entrepreneur and um, uh, I guess it was right around after I, I, I got married in 85 and um, right around 87, the beginning of 87, end of 86 and beginning of 87, uh, I, I was I was engaging in, a, in, in different businesses. And one of the things that I was doing was really promoting personal motivation. Hmm. And, and part of that uh, concept is to go to church so that you can be a good, upstanding citizen. Mm, for social reasons. For social so, reasons. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I started going to church. And, and um, I uh, was a good church goer, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, I became a, a, a leader in the church. I was singing in the choir. I was uh, one of the, the trustees, which is equivalent to an elder uh, at this particular church. And... I didn't know Jesus from a, from a hole in the ground, and it, it was a, about a year, and uh, uh, of of being in that in that role, and even in Bible study and things of this nature, and um, uh, I guess it was it was toward the end of eighty seven in November of eighty seven, right before my thirty second birthday in November of eighty seven. 
right after Thanksgiving, I was sitting in a church service, and God just spoke to me. Hmm. And God said, it's time to get serious. And, and I knew what he was talking about. And, and I stood up, and, and it was like as if everyone around me just disappeared. Hmm. Because I, I went forward. Now, you, you got to understand, I was a leader in the church. Right. And uh, by all accounts, I was this great Christian guy. But I didn't know Jesus. Hmm. And God told me, he said, it's time to get serious. And, man, I just, everything around me disappeared. I went forward, surrendered my heart to Christ, and haven't looked back since. Yeah. Was, was there, uh, well, one, one of the things I'll, I'll ask you, how important was that to take that public confession and that public step at that time in that place as far as going forward? And I realize p- pastors have all kinds of different feelings yeah. now about an altar call, if you uh-huh. will, or public confession like that on a Sunday, but I kind of like it personally. Yeah. But was that an important step for you, an actual physical step for you as a spirit- and a spiritual step? Yeah, I, I admit, I think it was, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time uh-huh. because at the time uh, I, I wasn't thinking about anything. You know, it was just kind of, kind of get up and go, you uh-huh. know, and, uh, and, and it, like I said, everything around me just kind of faded uh-huh. and, and I didn't see really anyone or or anything, I wasn't thinking about anything, but just going. And the pastor is the one that says, "If you want to receive Jesus Christ, come forward." And I, I just moved. Wow. I, yeah. At, now I think it's I, I think it's probably important because he says, "If you deny me before men, you know, mm-hmm. I'll deny you before my Father." And so I have held on to that uh, that uh, uh, verse there. Uh, and so I don't. I try not to deny God in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, and, and and I, I think it's important for us to do that mm-hmm. in some kind of way to show that we are standing for Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're married at the time. Yes. What's your wife thinking about all this? Did she know that inner turmoil and that thought process that was going on with you, or was this a surprise for her? Well. It, I, I don't, at the time, I don't think she knew that I wasn't saved. Because you got to remember, I was a good churchgoer. Right. And and so by all accounts. Uh, but she was living with you. She, she knew the yeah. real you. Yeah. But uh, you were still yeah. a good guy. You were still a good guy at home. I, I, I mean. I, yeah, I, I was a fairly good guy. But uh, there, there there were some, 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 uh, some things, you know. Some patterns uh, in your life. Yeah. And, and so she. Um, she was kind of wow. You, you know what's funny about it is the people who knew me. Uh, for some reason, and I don't know what the deal was, there was no question. Oh, I thought you were saved. Nobody ever said that. Huh. Even the because because I, I I was not in the church that uh-huh. I was a part of. I was in a, attending a church in the central area, uh-huh. and then we had went out to uh, the south part of Seattle. And uh, or or Burien, I think it was, and um, uh, I was visiting a friend. Oh, I see. That uh-huh. was going to a church there, and and the Lord told me it, it, it was time to get serious. And so, yeah. uh, but uh, they knew me because the friend that we went to visit used to be the pastor of the church 
where I was at. Uh-huh. And so, uh, uh, but he was no longer pastoring. And so he, he was out there in, in the, uh, uh, attending this other church and we went to be with them. And, but so they knew, but no one really said anything yeah. about the fact that, Hey, I thought you were already a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my wife, she was elated, you know, because it, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I believe this. If you have an encounter with Christ, I believe there's a change. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do not believe in this oh, over time, mm-hmm. you know, you transform. No, I, I, I see no scriptural evidence of that. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a transformation that happens immediately. You're not born over time. You're born again immediately. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, that was a, that was a light that was on my face, you know, there was a glow. There was something different about me that people could see, mm-hmm. my wife especially. And so, yeah, it was it was a great time. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened then? I mean, so you get saved. You're 32 yeah. years old, 31, yeah. 32 years old. My, my, my world turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> How so? Well, uh, we we were doing a little little business at the time. I was I was in, in, involved with this friend of mine who was doing a business, and uh, everything turned upside down. I mean, we lost everything, hmm. and uh, um, there was a there was a point. Uh, I think it was December thirty first of uh, nineteen eighty seven. My wife and I, she was pregnant at the time. Uh, and we didn't have any funds, and we were being evicted from the place we was we were staying. And I didn't have any money. I mean, no zero zilch. You know, they say they say that nothing is a a zero with the rim kicked off, <laughs> and, and that's kind of kind of where we were. Uh-huh. And I can remember sitting in our empty office with my partner, my business partner, and, and we just sitting there. Uh, it, right by the reception area in these two chairs. And I'm telling him about the Lord because I, I had received Christ. And, uh, and then he asked me a question that morning. He said, well, Vaughn, what are you going to do? I said, you know, man, I don't know. But I'm going to do something. I believe God's going to take care of us. Mm. Now, that was 1130 that morning. By 530 that afternoon, uh, I had the keys to a new apartment. I had uh, a rental truck and I had a couple people to uh, uh, help us move. And I had enough money to get some, a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken. (laughs) 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 We went, we moved, moved everything into the uh, uh, new apartment and went to church that night. Wow. And so, uh, but, but I were world turned upside down and, and and I began, okay, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? And I, I spent some time uh, uh, just really uh, fasting and praying. And uh, uh, God spoke clearly to me. He said, he said, I want you to teach the word of truth to my people. You know, it's interesting, uh, Ravana, just to, not to take away from this, uh, from your, your talk, but I had gotten this text from my son mm. today, and I was thinking about what you just went through. And and I had the dinner with him. He's 34 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, he said. And I, I had dinner with him last Friday, and we were talking about 
going through wilderness experiences. Mm. And uh, I said, well, I, w- I had to go through six years uh, back in the 90s. And he, he texted me ab- about an hour ago and said, if you could describe the lesson you learned from your wilderness experience in one word, what would it be? And I wrote back, I said, necessary. Mm. Yeah. And then I thought of, I let it sit there for a few a few minutes, and then I texted him, and I said, I had to die to my dreams before the Lord could use me again. That was my lesson, but it may not be yours. And uh, he, he texted me back, I'll call you later tonight and tell you the lesson he's taught me. I'm glad it didn't take six years. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord did have to take you yes. through that yes. time of, of dependency yeah. to bring you to a place that he called you to next, and yeah. which was what? Well, um, I, I, I stumbled around for a little bit because, you know, you, you have to make some money. And, and uh, uh, so I was saying, well, what could I do? Uh, and na- naturally I was, I had been in radio and I had been in advertising uh, after that and selling, you know, had publications and stuff. So I said, well, I'll sell some ads. Mm-hmm. And so I went to this small radio station down in Sumner, and uh, they hired me. Now, now ads were really cheap back in those days, and uh, but I could not sell a ten dollar ad. <laughs> 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 now, now you, you got to understand. I used to teach people how to sell, uh-huh. and, and I could not sell a ten dollar ad. And, and and so after about a month of that. I just I just went back and said, "Okay, Lord, obviously, you know, I I wasn't hearing you. So so what do I do?" And I just went into a time, a period of fasting and prayer, and uh, and God gave me this 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 vision. He he said, "Write," and I just started writing, and I came up with this this concept we call corporate action against drugs, mm-hmm. and uh, we end up doing this 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 youth program against drugs and stuff, and so. Anyway, we went through that, and the Lord eventually led me to 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 Christian Ministries. Uh, did a little stuff with Christian Ministries and and Jim Gwynn back at the time, and then and then we went into uh, Promise Keepers. It was through Christian Ministries that I got engaged with Promise Keepers, and I worked with Promise Keepers for five and a half years up mm. here. Then we went to Antioch Bible Church on staff at Antioch Bible Church, and I've been at Antioch since. Uh, Around 1990, mm-hmm. uh, 89, 90, somewhere in there. And you know, I went on staff there, and uh, about five years later, the Lord just said, okay, it's time to step out. Wow. And, uh, Could, and so Ken Hutcherson, good man. Oh, love the brother. He's my, he's my spiritual father. Uh-huh, yeah. So speak, yeah. Yeah, he's been gone, what, four or five years Three now? Three years. Three years yeah. now. Yeah. But has helped to birth a lot of ministry in this area, including yeah. yours. yeah. You know, uh, I, I think the main thing Hutch taught me was uh, no compromise. Mm. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> Ken yeah. Hutcherson was not a guy yeah. that compromised. No compromise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you you listen to the gospel, you read the gospel. How can Jesus Christ? How can you be transformed by Christ and see that God didn't compromise anything to save us? How can we compromise to stand for Him? Mm. And. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that. No compromise. Amen. Well, Ravon, we're speaking with Ravon Johnson. He's pastor of Embassy Bible Fellowship. We've got uh, about a minute and a half left. Hmm. If you had a word to share with the people that are listening today hmm. from the heart of a pastor here in the Seattle area, 
what would it be? What, what word would you like to share as we wrap this up today? My uh, greatest concern for the church today is a lack of obedience. Uh, we, we do a lot of uh, talking, very little obedience. We don't obey the word of God, and I think that's the main problem with the church. So, so what, what I would, uh, my prayer for the church is that we would genuinely be real with Christ. And real is righteous, encouraging, accountable, and loving, and obey the word of God. Hmm. It's hmm. a good word, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> if, if people want to know more about uh, Embassy Bible Fellowship, you can go to their Facebook page is the best place to go. It's Embassy Bible Fellowship Church on Facebook, and they're in Bellevue, Washington. Or if you want to give Ravon a call, you can go to uh, call him at 425 829 2294. That's 425-829-2294. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can go to Heart of the City on KGNW.com and listen to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.